This episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. I lived overseas for many years, and one of the biggest bottlenecks to international living is money transfers. You want to withdraw money from an ATM to access funds from your American bank account, and you don't realize you're getting hit with a $10 charge every single time you do that. Yeah, that did happen to me. So if you're dining in dollars or want to do business in bot, what a Wise account does is let you send, spend, and receive money in different currencies. Wise is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. This goes from a night out at a tapas bar in Spain to buying a property in the Yucatan. So if you're a digital nomad in Bali or want to send Send money back to mom, it's simple. And this is all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Wise works in over 160 countries, so your money's always at your fingertips. And over half of the transfers get their destination in less time than it takes to listen to this ad. Join 16 million customers and learn how a Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unplugged. That's wise.com slash unplugged. One more time, wise.com slash unplugged. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the History Unplugged podcast, the unscripted show that celebrates unsung heroes, myth busts historical lies, and rediscovers the forgotten stories that changed our world. I'm your host, Scott Rank. Hi, everyone. Welcome to one of those in between episodes where I answer any question that you have about history. Today's question is this. Why wasn't there a scientific revolution under the Romans? Very interesting question. Now you might think, well, wasn't it the Romans and the Greeks before them who did usher in a lot of science and a lot of technology? In one sense, this is true. There was a technological boom under the Romans. You have concrete, arches, aqueducts, bridges that were used by the Romans. Now I think what's behind the question is this. The Greeks and Romans were rational types that loved science and were on the brink of doing all kinds of incredible things, like inventing the steam engines or modern science or vaccinations. But then everything fell apart in the Middle Ages, and it took about a thousand years until things got back together. There's an episode of Family Guy where Stewie and Brian visit an alternate reality where Christianity never existed, and because of that, human civilization was a thousand years ahead. So obviously, the show is laying the blame of the Dark Ages at the feet of Christianity because it was these superstitious medieval types, this iron-fisted theocracy backed by an inquisition that prevented any science or questioning from happening until Leonardo da Vinci came along and then the Renaissance ushered us into the modern era that we have today. So the question is, well, why weren't the Romans able to get over the hump and achieve the scientific breakthroughs that allowed them from falling into the Dark Ages? That's a very interesting question. And to answer that, I have to focus on two things. First of all, the Greeks and the Romans didn't exactly have science that we understand it today. Second, there was plenty of science happening in the Middle Ages, and it was actually in the Middle Ages where the scientific revolution really got going. Now, I should mention here, before you think that I'm being an apologist for the medieval Catholic Church, A lot of the information and resources I'm getting from this is 
from Tim O'Neill's wonderful site, Armarium Magnus. Tim has a history blog that is fantastic if you want to check it out. And he's an interesting guy because he defends the Middle Ages and medieval Catholicism, even though he himself is an atheist, which I think kind of gives uh, credibility to the arguments that he's making. He doesn't really have a dog in the fight. Anyway, let's get back to what the Romans and the Greeks thought first of all. Now, the Greeks didn't exactly have science. And you might think, what are you talking about? This is the era where you have Aristotle, Archimedes, Hippocrates, Galen, Ptolemy, Euclid. Advances are being made in geometry, astronomy, physiology, biology. There's all sorts of things happening. Well, yes, that is true. There are critical texts being written at this time that are used by natural philosophers. People don't really call themselves scientists. Scientists doesn't come around until the early 1800s. So there are critical texts being used by Middle Easterners, Europeans, and others for about a thousand years. But what they believed wasn't exactly science. Let me give you the example of Aristotle, because he's the most important person, and you don't really see him being challenged until the Middle Ages. Aristotle used an inductive-deductive method, meaning that he used inductions from observations to infer general principles— then deductions from those principles to check against further observations and more cycles of induction and deduction to continue the advance of knowledge. Okay, sounds like science. And part of it is. He said that universal truths can be known from particular things via induction, and he did believe in universal principles, which is really important to a scientific method. If you don't have that, you have occasionalism, which is a thought system that takes over the Middle East in the 13th century, pushed by Al-Ghazali, which says that A created thing can't be the cause of something. Everything has its cause in God. Well, if God is all-powerful, then he can do anything, and you can't have a universal principle because how do you know God in this instance isn't making the acceleration of gravity 9.8 meters per second squared, and in another instance, he's making it 9 meters per second squared. So if you don't have universal principles, you can't have science. And that's what Aristotle believed. But here's what he believed that was a little bit different from modern-day science. He largely ignored inductive reasoning in his treatment of scientific inquiry. He wrote in the posterior analytics, We suppose ourselves to possess unqualified scientific knowledge of a thing, as opposed to knowing it in the accidental way in which the sophist knows, when we think that we know the cause on which the fact depends, as the cause of that fact and of no other, and further, that the fact could not be other than it is. Okay, your head's probably spinning there. Let me untangle that for you. Aristotle was a natural philosopher. It means that science was considered bound to philosophy. Really, experimentation of the natural world was just the material expression of immaterial reality that takes place in philosophy. So what that means for Aristotle is that using the tool of deductive reasoning in the form of a logical syllogism is really the way to infer new universal truths rather than empirical examination. So for him, it's not enough to just go out there and measure something and test the physical world because you're only getting one example. To do real science or natural philosophy, you have to put together a logical syllogism of universal truths. So using your senses to Aristotle was only a vehicle for knowledge through intuition. And that's not exactly the scientific method. The scientific method is a method of procedure that consists of systematic observation, measurement, and experiment, and the formulation, testing, and modification of hypotheses based on these experiments. 
not that you first construct a logical syllogism and then see if the physical facts conform to that. And so it's a problem that people who did science in the ancient world and even up to the medieval world weren't really the people creating technology. Technology creates products that solve problems and improve human life, but science tries to pursue knowledge for its own sake. And in the ancient world, scientists and artisans, or the people that produce technology, didn't really work together, and scientists actually looked down on artisans. That's why there's lost technology. For example, there's a kind of steel called Damascus steel that we don't have the recipe for today at all. It was popular in the ancient world, and the steel was very flexible, but not brittle, and also very sharp. Artisans, though, typically didn't write down a new discovery because they didn't want other guilds to be able to find it. So knowledge was passed from guild member to guild member, master to apprentice, but it's not as if they came up with the methods and then wrote a theory for it so that this new theory of metallurgy could be passed on to a scientist. Now, where do things start to change? One big change is Thomas Aquinas's 13th century Summa Theologica, the sum of all theology. In the book God's Philosophers, Thomas is described like this and how he was able to open the floodgates for science. Thomas's Summa Theologica had created a framework within which natural philosophers could safely pursue their studies. The framework laid down the principle that God had decreed laws of nature, but was not bound by them. Finally, it stated that Aristotle was sometimes wrong. The world was not eternal according to reason and finite according to the faith. It was not eternal full stop. And if Aristotle could be wrong about something that he regarded as completely certainly certain, that threw his whole philosophy into question. The way was clear for the natural philosophers of the Middle Ages to move decisively beyond the achievement of the Greeks. And this certainly happened. The period from 1000 to 1500 saw an incredible flowering of scientific inquiry and discovery since the time of the ancient Greeks that surpassed the Roman and Hellenic eras. You have Occam and Duns taking the critical approach to Aristotle further than Aquinas, more cautious approach. And here you have those pioneers of the scientific method, Thomas Bradwardine, William Hatesbury, John Dumbleton who begin to apply rigorous procedures of inquiry, but also use empiricism in ways that the Greeks simply did not do before. Now, why does this seem counterintuitive? Why does it seem odd that science would come about in the Middle Ages? Part of it has to do with a thesis known as the conflict thesis that came out the 1800s. The conflict thesis is an approach to the history of science, which says there is an intrinsic intellectual conflict between religion and science, and it inevitably leads to public hostility. The more religion you have, the less science you have, and vice versa. This idea was popularized in the 1800s by John William Draper and Andrew Dixon White. And this has put a shadow over the Middle Ages, called the Dark Ages, that it was the superstitious church that quashed any science that could happen, and if we didn't have that stopgap between the Greek and the Roman era and the Renaissance, then things would have just gone on a simple uphill trajectory. But history is a lot messier than that. The Greeks and Romans really did make a lot of contributions to Western civilization, but they were missing something that needed to be added. After all, if it weren't for the contributions of the Middle Ages, then the Renaissance and the Enlightenment couldn't happen. Anyway, thank you for the question. If any of you would like to submit one to me, you can do so by going to historyunpluggedpodcast.com. There you'll find instructions, and I look forward to it. 
Thanks for listening to the History Unplugged podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get your daily dose of all things history-related from ancient Greece to the Cold War. You can do that by going to historyonthenet.com forward slash subscribe. Speaking of History on the Net, if you want to dive deeper, go to our site historyonthenet.com and there you'll find blog posts, book reviews, and all of our other podcast episodes. Plus, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so we can bring you the best daily history content possible. We'll see you next time at the History Unplugged podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Calatrin. Calatrin is a weight loss supplement made from collagen protein and digestive enzymes. Calatrin is designed to assist the body in repairing and rebuilding lean muscle using top quality ingredients. The reason it contains collagen, which is the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the body, is because it decreases as we age. Because Calatrin rebuilds its critical protein, it promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. I tried it for a month, slept great, felt more energetic, and noticeably shed weight that was gained over the holidays. Calatrin has an 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. Here are some customer testimonials. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calatrin. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. And Diane not only lost weight, but found relief from arthritis. This week, you can take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free, plus free shipping. Ordering is extremely easy. Just text the word UNPLUGGED to 30605, and you'll get a link to this special offer. Text the word UNPLUGGED to 30605. Again, text UNPLUGGED to 30605.